BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Life-changing moments, life-changing people. Because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Hi. All right. For the final time this year, welcome to With Wit. Thank you all so, so much for joining me on the platform this year. This is a project that makes me the proudest. I recognize how much I've improved and learned in this space. And that just means so much to me. Your support has motivated me to keep me going and to keep on doing this and utilizing this platform with wit would not have been possible if it weren't for your ears. So thank you again and again for joining me every week. I cannot wait to continue the ride next year. And to wrap up 2022, I decided to do a best of episode. I feel like it would give you a sense if you're not an avid listener of what it is we talk about, my voice. I just thought it would be cool to show you some of my personal favorite moments. So I'll give you a quick intro for who you hear from between each segment. All right. First, let's kick off some of my favorite times with my personal favorite guest, Timmy. All right. Hey, everybody. What's up? It's Witten Tim here. Witten Tim. Currently in the car. It is July 27th, 2022, Sonny's fifth birthday. We just got back yesterday from our East Coast adventure. We went to Vermont to see Timmy's parents. And then we went to Pound Ridge to see our sister-in-law and brother-in-law and Ruby and had an amazing lake adventure. Would you say it was amazing? Would you say it was amazing or amazing? <laughs> uh, it was both amazing and amazing. I thought it was a great trip. Highs and lows. Highs and lows. I think the high was when we all sang karaoke mm. in Mo's office. I was just thinking about how you and I, we did All Right by Zach Brown Band. And it's all right. No, that's another song. And it's all yes, right. right. No, 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 no. That's, I don't know, from Caddyshack. We did, how does the one we... Sun is gonna come. Gonna wash you away, Sodom and Gomorrah. There's just one reason why we can't 
move on. on. Yep, that's how. I lay my heart <laughs> on these tracks. Your no train comes along. We're doing this in the car, and, and someone was just made all... a silly move. So there might be road rage in this podcast. This is the only time I have rage is when I'm in the car. And then I don't know if you can hear a little bit of scratching, but please welcome the newest member of the Port Rosenman family. Well, we don't know its name. We don't know yet. its name, but we're calling him Mr. We're calling him anything but Torty. Torty. It feels like Torty is going to stick. We have a tortoise. Oh my God, it's on its back right now. You can you can turn him over. In between my legs in a box. Sonny fell in love with this turtle that he saw in Pound Ridge and he wanted to keep it. And so Timmy and I decided to find a pet shop in LA that sells turtles. Because, because you know, he had to give it back, which was a hard lesson for him. He didn't fully, we had to explain to him why he couldn't keep it. And it wasn't like, it wasn't happy in this little bottle, but it was hard for him to understand because he loved it so much and he wanted to keep it. But he really nicely let it go back into the lake. And we thought getting him a turtle would be a great surprise. A great surprise and a great fifth birthday present. And originally we were thinking that we would keep it in his bedroom. We were going to clear off his bookshelf, but we went to this spot. I think it was called Allen's. Shout out to Alan and his whole staff. In West LA on Pico, they were awesome. They taught us that the water turtles would be way too much work for us. We were going to have to change out the water and it was going to be super messy. And I was starting to freak out, like sweating in there, thinking about it. We went into the rodent room and they were like picking up rats by their tails. Then there was was like a bag of frozen rats and like a refrigerator that was pretty hard to look at but Whitney held her own she only gagged eight times and then was standing by the doorway and a bird scared her (laughs) I thought the bird was a dead rat the bag Um, of rats was hard to look at it was not only a bag of rats it was a freezer like a vending machine sized freezer full of different kinds of dead rodents yeah guys. yeah it was that was it, gross for any yeah so i the, i was about to abort the mission right then and there but then katie i think her name was was like well let's let's think about tortoises because tortoises actually don't require water they don't require as much upkeep you do have to feed them every day as opposed to like every week but we were like oh let's do a tortoise yeah, a much better fit for us. Yes. Like, I don't want to have to change out that filthy water all the time. The poop water. Wetness is not for me. No, not like swampy, disgusting wetness. So we found these really cute, what's it called? A red. Red foot tortoise. A red foot tortoise. It's really mini right now. And it has these really awesome red spots on it. And then the shell is beautiful. And they said it gets even more gorgeous over time. But we got a tank. We accessorized it as soon as I was able to accessorize the tank with like pretty fake succulents and fake looking rocks. I was into it and we're going to keep it outside for now. But we're thinking that we will elevate the situation and actually build it something. Build it something really special. Build it something really, really special. Like a whole habitat, a whole Galapagos Island. We're going to build it. I'm going to recreate the Galapagos Island. Somewhere. So Sonny's in for a huge, 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 huge surprise. surprise. 
All right. Love him. Next, I will share a moment from my chat with holistic psychiatrist, Dr. Ellen Vora in June about coping with false and true anxiety. In your book, you talk about false anxiety versus true anxiety. I'm wondering, what do you mean by these two things? I mean, it's such a departure from how I was trained to think about diagnoses. Like, I was supposed to call anxiety either generalized anxiety disorder or panic disorder with or without agoraphobia or OCD or PTSD, always the idea with diagnosis. It's a little bit how we standardize mental health for our research studies, but it's also supposed to steer our management. It's supposed to imply like, okay, if it's generalized anxiety disorder, therefore what's indicated is medication or maybe for a panic, you would do cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm -hmm. And what I realized in my practice is that it was not steering management in a meaningful way mm. and a much more useful categorization of anxiety in my practice was to separate anxiety into two types, false anxiety, which is physical anxiety, it's the anxiety that's actually based in the physical body mm. and it's avoidable anxiety, it's unnecessary, it doesn't have to be happening. And then true anxiety, which is purposeful anxiety. It's not something to pathologize. It's not something to medicate away. And it's certainly not something that we can gluten-free or decaf coffee our way out of. It's it's our inner compass Uh nudging us and telling us, slow down, pay attention. We know something's not really right here in our personal lives or in our community or in the world at large. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's asking for us to give this our attention and ideally even translate that feeling of anxiety into some kind of purposeful act. So what would be an example of false and then true? Yeah. So the false anxiety, it's really built on the work of a woman named Julia Ross, who wrote a book called The Mood Cure. Okay. And she was like, listen, we have our real moods. That's when a thing happened and we're in a mood as a result. Like your father passes away and you're grieving. Mm -hmm. And then we have our false moods. And those are those times when seemingly out of nowhere, we're irritable or we're sad or we're anxious. The past three days of my life. Mm. Also, I'm yeah. on my period. <laughs> <laughs> well, so there you go, which yeah. is its own like nuanced false true anxiety. Well, we'll that, yeah, that. I want to talk about that too. Yeah. yeah. But basically, if we could omnisciently look under the hood of the body in these moments when we're out of nowhere, irritable, sad, anxious, what we would see is that there's some state of physical imbalance happening. Usually something tripped us into a stress response. And that stress response impacts the brain. And then it shows up as anxiety or depression, kind of depending on us. And those physical causes of a stress response, they're caused by these like benign aspects of modern life, being sleep deprived, being inflamed, a blood sugar crash, an extra cold brew coffee that day, a hangover, a a hormonal crash. And so all of these things are creating untold amounts of what we're calling mental health symptoms. It's so much unnecessary suffering. And it's nice because there's a straightforward solution. We can identify the cause of this state of imbalance and address it at the root. I don't call it false to in any way invalidate the very real suffering. I was in a state of false depression for like five, 10 years. It was life-altering suffering, but it's false because it's not our truth. And it doesn't have to be happening. It's unnecessary suffering. It's avoidable anxiety. I guess my question is though, like, how do you trust yourself to 
to delineate, to know what's false versus true. This weekend, starting on Saturday, I started to have this like physical anxiety. And I, in my head, I started to pinpoint what it was that was giving me the anxiety. And then the next two days, I was like still feeling it, but I was realizing it wasn't even the thing that I thought it was at the beginning. But then I start to not trust myself to know, is this a real issue that I should be having anxiety about that I need to deal with? Or is this something that is, like you said, just, is it a hormone balance? Is it because I was up at five the past three mornings? You know, is it because I haven't eaten lunch yet? Or it's like when these things happen, are there questions we can ask ourselves or ways to check in to know what it is? Because I feel like sometimes I can't trust myself to know if this is a real problem or not. It's such an important distinction. I think it is really hard. In my book, I create what I call, I think it's called the false mood inventory. (gasps) And it's like a little handout. I intend for people to scissor, cut it out of the book and just put it on the refrigerator. Because we need, in those moments when we're in like that tunnel vision of anxiety, it's really hard to have the presence of mind to be like, oh yeah, I just need a snack. Or, oh yeah, I didn't sleep well last night. Or, oh yeah, I'm getting my period tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So to have something to just cue us and remind us, here are the likely culprits is helpful. I remember like you have a son, right? I have a six-year-old daughter and in the early days she'd be fussy and we'd be like, what the heck is going on? And we eventually put a list on the fridge. Like, is she hungry? Is she tired? Does she need a diaper change? Does she need a burp? You know, these things that we, is she teething? Mm -hmm. Like we couldn't keep them all straight in our head. Mm -hmm. And so it was helpful to actually just cue us. And so, and adults were really just oversized toddlers at the end of the day. Exactly. And so, so it can cue you and remind you like, oh yeah, like I've been up since 5am. I haven't gotten enough sleep three days in a row. I'm getting my period soon. Just to kind of recognize it might be amplifying or making something that's not, you know, our life circumstances. Yeah. It's like things can happen and we're allowed to get anxiety from them. And I felt like this situation, this thing that was happening on Saturday was really real, but I thought that my reaction to it was unnecessary. I like, I was like, I wish I wasn't feeling like this because this, this is not, this is too big of a reaction to what the situation is. There you go. That's the critical distinction. And I think the idea behind like why it's so empowering to know about our false moves and to identify them and address them is that it doesn't take away our, the challenges in our lives but we can approach them with a little bit more clarity, a little bit more resilience. So it's like, okay, there's something here that needs to be dealt with, but I can do this from a place of equanimity. I can do this without feeling like the world is barreling towards doom. It can just be, we can just handle the bumps in the road a little more easily. Right. It can be more of like an isolated thing as opposed to a spiral that then takes over like your whole world. Seriously, that was one of my favorite conversations I had this year. Definitely check out the full episode. And now a word from one of our brand partners. So sometimes I get my hair done several times a week for photo shoots or events and whatnot. And normally I would be nervous about putting so much heat and push and pull on my precious strands and also coloring my hair and hot tools. They just add so much damage to the hair and your hair strands can become really weak. Thankfully, I was happy to do what I needed to feel my best during these shoots and events and stuff because there's a new product that I found that helps really strengthen my hair. K18 is bringing you 
you the future of hair care with their leave-in molecular repair hair mask that reverses damage in just four minutes. Shop K18's leave-in molecular repair hair mask at Sephora and Sephora.com. Unlike most products that cover up damage, this clinically proven breakthrough repairs damage from bleach and color, chemical services, and heat on all hair types. The secret is in their patented K18 peptide, born after 10 years of complex bioscience research to restore strength and elasticity in the innermost layers of your hair. Since damage is ongoing, you can start fresh with stronger, softer, smoother, bouncier hair that lasts. The best part is K18's easy leave-in fits into any routine, so you can repair daily damage with less stress and frustration and really, really like let your hair flow. Bring your hair into the future with K18 Molecular Repair, available now at Sephora and Sephora.com. Back to the chat. Next is Norma Kamali. It was such an honor to talk to this iconic designer in April. I've looked up for her for years. It felt like such a milestone for me to be able to pick her brain. And if you like what you hear, please listen to the rest of our episode where we talk about designing collections authentically and the beauty of aging. You have a new book, I Am Invincible, which is all about aging with power and like aging gracefully. And so just wondering like how that came to be, like what motivated you to write something like this? Um, The books is really a book about healthy lifestyle. And in, in the premise of this healthy lifestyle, I started to look at aging and the decades. And I remember when I turned 20, my mother, what, what actually when I just went from, you know, I'm not a teenager anymore phase, my mother said to me, Norma, it's all downhill from here. And I started crying. I said, oh my God, I'm going to be old. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be old. And I think that was such a revelation when I think about it, that we think about old in so many contexts. So that's yeah. one not a teenager now it's real if you're an adult and then you can easily get aged out of the dating market by 30 if you if you go on to any dating site and put in that you're 29 you'll get a response if you put in 30 the response is completely different so now aging out of the dating market at that. I mean, like, that's crazy. It can't be. And then, and it goes through our lives. You can get aged out of the, the workplace. You can get yeah. aged marriage. You can I mean, get- I always feel this yearning for relevancy and like, how do I continue to stay young? And because it feels like that's what the culture appreciates is youth, right? So then we then think it is. And our, we start, I don't know, at least for me, yeah, I look at it, I'm like, I put limitations on myself. I get scared for, for certain ages. If I don't have this by this age, what will yeah. I do? It's, it really limits you. And it's really a mental state. Yeah. Quite I mean, I guarantee you that one of the key words you just said is relevance. Mm. 
-hmm. if you if you're relevant and you're aware of things that are going on in the world but also things that are going on in the world around you where you have you have the ability to change improve help fix all of that is so important but healthy lifestyle is really the core of it because if you can stay fit and healthy and not resort to all kinds of artificial looks of youth, which really are aging, they really are sad. They make you feel bad. And the more you can do to naturally feel good about yourself, if you wear clothes that are holding you in under your wardrobe, you're going to feel like I'm not good enough. My body's not good enough. So thinking about what you eat and working out and being active really gives you that self-confidence, just like the kind of diet you eat or the kind of diet you feed your children. You want, you want, you want them to be healthy. You need to be healthy. And your sense of self improves greatly when you do feel good about yourself. I think the book, I am invincible is really saying, no, I'm not invincible every day, but there are days when I'm invincible, where I feel good in my body. I feel good in my head, my hair, my skin, everything's working and I get it done. I get it done and I feel good. Having more of those days is really part of the power that you can pull together where age you defy it in a way. You really can defy age if you're relevant and you're active and you feel good in in your body. And that's, I mean, it's not complicated. It's actually pretty simple. And right. feeling feeling strong in your head, loving yourself, mm -hmm. which is not a narcissistic thing, but really loving yourself draws other people to love you too mm -hmm. in a healthy way. And then, and then aging doesn't interfere with it. It becomes your power. Okay. Hello again. Finally, I will wrap it up with a tidbit from a solo episode I did in February called Existential, how I fantasize, remain present, and coexist various elements of my life. Bye-bye, quote, balance some lessons that I learned from last week that I'm carrying into this week because I'm trying to be more reflective and trying to remember things as opposed to just like be on autopilot and not be conscious that certain things are happening again and why. So I'm, I'm really trying to be unapologetically myself, both in any decisions that I make career-wise and also just in my relationships and especially with Timmy. I think sometimes I project my insecurities onto him and I forget the reason why he fell in love with me, which is me. Like it was because of me being myself. So I just want to continue to remember that I want to walk into experiences, especially social or work experiences, like in 3D in person with calm, with curiosity, with a listening ear and without trying to think about the impression that I'm going to make or what someone is going to go home and like tell their friend about me. One high and one low so far for this month, honestly, was really hard for me to come up with both for 
both. But what I kept coming back to, which I think is most important, just to come back like to what the first thing that you thought of or like what was in your gut. But the first high for me was all the cooking that Timmy has done and all the hosting and the friends that we've been able to see in a safe way, of course, but just like the food and and the friend vibes that we've had here at the house have just been so warm and cozy. And I found that hosting is something that I'm starting to feel a lot more comfortable with and starting to feel like it's just the easiest thing to do as you get older. You know, it's just like with kids, just the easiest thing to do. I think the lowest moment for me was just like a little night of a cry sesh. I had to go on birth control pills for like a week, which obviously messed with my hormones. And I went out to dinner and I had a couple drinks and I was just feeling overwhelmed by, you know, work and mom and the fertility stuff and everything. And I just had like a low moment. And I feel like when I was in it, the whole world was crashing down. And that's what's so hard for me is like when you're in those moments, it feels like you're not going to get out of those moments and everything feels so serious and like so doomful, if that's a word. And I think the most important thing is just remembering that these feelings are fleeting and meditation definitely helps with that. But like continue to breathe through it and remind yourself that these moments are fleeting and that they will come and they do come and not to feel bad about them or beat yourself up about them, but to know that we're not like robots. We're not superhumans. And these moments are okay, but to try not to engage in like fights or heavy conversations with your partner or anyone in these kind of emotional moments, really, because I think what you'll find is that you end up projecting a lot onto them and it's just not productive. So that was a little update. So I posted something on my Instagram about fantasizing this week, and I thought that it would be an interesting topic to dig in a little bit more because I feel like a lot of people either do this themselves, whether they fantasize or manifest, or they're interested in doing it and knowing how this can actually create an outcome, like a physical, actual outcome in their lives. So honestly, I don't fantasize enough intentionally. Like I don't necessarily set aside time for myself to like journal and fantasize and keep track of it. But I find that I'm just a daydreamer and a fantasizer by nature. It's just something that I find myself doing throughout the day. And sometimes I need to reel myself back and be like, I need to be present. I need to be in this moment. This isn't serving me right now. This is just distracting me. And sometimes I really let my brain go there and let myself like feel what it would feel like to be in that place, to reach that goal, to fulfill that dream, because that then enables us to make decisions, even subconscious, mostly subconscious decisions that then get us to that place. Last week, I was on the phone with my therapist and I was talking to her about this fantasy that I was having about being pregnant and being barefoot on the beach, like maybe even nauseous, but worst case, like being on the beach, eating tropical fruit and went into full daydream mode and thought, well, Sunny's not starting school till next fall and we could really be anywhere for the next year. And I just thought about like taking that time to be pregnant and enjoy it and not have the distraction or the push and pull of the city life. And my therapist was like, go for it. Like, I love that. Like, think about it, you know, let yourself go to that place 
and let yourself like fantasize as much as possible. And then when you're done, like totally picturing yourself there, then obviously you can stop, but don't feel guilty about it. Try not to derail yourself from the fantasy so that you can fully like see it and then actualize it. I think that my life is something that I've manifested. You know, I think that what was really important to me subconsciously was like my relationship and building a foundation of happiness and family and love off my relationship. And that's really what I've done. And then I saw myself working in fashion and being creative and like, that's what I've done. And there's still so many other things that I want to do when I'm continually evolving and changing and creating new goals. But I think that it's important to really like think about what it is you want and make sure that the decisions that you're making in your daily life, no matter how small or how big, are working in alignment with what you are manifesting. And I think if you don't know what you're manifesting for, then you can't really make those conscious little decisions every day to make those things happen. So you don't want to be so focused on the future that you're just like constantly planning and in that zone where you're not experiencing and living in the future that you've built right now and enjoying some of the best moments of your life. But I do think that, you know, depending on your personality, whether you want to set aside time or whether you're able to just fantasize at any time, like definitely allow yourself to do this. I think it's fun to let your mind wander and explore and not judge it or restrain it. But like I said, I do think that it's really important to be conscious of when you're starting to only live in that future place in your head and not really in your own body. I think breathing helps me center, reminding myself where I am now, that I'm happy in this life and that this is the life that I wanted 10 years ago. Just like continually telling yourself that if you feel like you are getting too much into the future in an unhealthy way. I feel more motivated to make that future happen because I feel more creative. I've let my mind like live in a place of what my dream looks like. And so I feel like I have a purpose. Like it feels like I'm working towards something. And it also feels like I'm not just on this rat race, you know, like I'm not just continually running towards something unclear. I feel like when I expand my mind like this and in the safeness of my own mind, which is super important, like when, like I keep saying, when you are fantasizing and manifesting, like really try not to judge yourself. And I believe that in not judging yourself, you can also really figure out what it is that you really want to do. You know, like when you really fantasize and think like, where do I want to be? What do I want to do? Like no judgment. Nobody else is hearing this. Like I think that that is when a lot of what we really want becomes clear. Something that I wanted to discuss was feeling low because you're not doing what you want to be doing in the future, right? So like if your goal in the future is for me, which is like, honestly, play hard, like travel and play hard and like really, really live life. Like I want to work, but I don't want to work for the rest of my life. But I have to be realistic and know that everything that I have like right now and want in the future takes hard work. Anything worth having takes hard work. And I remind myself that I'm in the growing phase of my life and it's okay to not be in that 
like place that I want to be yet, like to have achieved all those goals. It's fine. I'm in the building and the growing phase. I'm not rooted yet. And that is okay. And I remind myself that, and I can be okay with this flow as opposed to feeling unsettled that I haven't reached certain things yet. I hope that that makes sense. You may ask that whatever the task right now, like, does that need to be reevaluated because it may not be bringing you joy or hope for what you desire next? And honestly, sometimes I, like everyone else, feel bogged down by obligations and basic needs of ourselves, the like push and pull, like I was talking about of life. But I want to have a certain kind of life and I don't want to feel guilty about wanting that life. I want to work hard now so that I can live by the water, which takes some financial comfort. And I want to live there when I don't have obligations. So I need to be able to save. So Bundak fundamentals of being a human adult still apply. This is kind of a, an interesting, like existential conversation. I fantasize about being pregnant barefoot on the beach, like nourishing myself, but I have to be realistic, right? Like I then have to have the conversation with Timmy and be like, but what does my life look like right now? Is that realistic? Am I going to be okay with that? that's when I think being an adult really steps in. Like you have to find the happy medium between your fantasies and what you need to do right now to build the future that you want. I think that I fantasize the most about leaving Los Angeles. I, I fantasize about owning my own styling company. I think that I've always fantasize about just being a stylist, which is interesting just because sometimes I feel like I can't necessarily style myself, but I think that I can style others like a master. I think that I also fantasize about having a baby and like not working for a little while, if I'm being perfectly honest. But I know that 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 will come and I will have some downtime and I will take advantage of that for sure. I didn't necessarily do that with Sunny. And I've told myself that if I do have another baby, that I will take the time to like enjoy that phase. To sum this fantasizing and manifesting situation up, I think that it is important to keep track of your goals and fantasies and dreams. If you are the type of person that wants to write them down so that they become a little bit more concrete and you feel like that they, you know, that helps you create that energy to make those things happen, go for it. If not, just let yourself daydream and fantasize when you can and try not to feel guilty about it. I thought that I would do a little bit of research on daydreaming just beyond my own opinion because I thought that it would be useful for you to hear about how beneficial it actually is. So one, daydreaming can improve your creativity. A study by UC Santa Barbara asked a controlled group to let their minds wander while trying to solve a creative task. The result, they performed 41% better than the group that didn't have the break. So if you've been trying to work on a problem in a very focused way, it might be time to let your mind drift. This is from the article glamour.com. What is daydreaming? It can also help you manage anxiety. Think of it like meditation. Instead of pushing the feeling away, recognize it, accept it, and let the thoughts flow through you. Exactly like what I was saying, right? Like if you 
just push them down or judge yourself for having these fantasies, then you're neglecting a part of yourself that is really like yourself, that is your truest self. It's expressing that it wants or needs something. So really like dig into it and let it flow through you as opposed to like resist it. Daydreaming can also strengthen your relationships. Quote, when we imagine something richly with clear images, and even if we can involve other senses, our brain doesn't distinguish that from reality. So even if we imagine like a really heartfelt connection to a large part, it feels like we did have someone. So basically, even if you can't see your best friend or you haven't seen a family member for a while or your new partner daydreaming about them can actually help keep those connections strong, which is really cool. It can make you more productive. You know, it can help. It's like a little mini mind escape. It's like a little mini vacation. If you feel like mundane at work, it can also make you happier. It can just create long-term satisfaction just because you know that you're working towards something It can help you achieve your goals. That's all for now. Thank you a million times again, over and over and over. I will see you or hear you or you will hear me next year. Okay. All right. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you loved this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. I'd love to hear what you think and anything more or even less you'd want to hear about. Tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, you can find me on Instagram at Whitney E. Port, my website, WhitneyPort.com, and my YouTube channel, Whitney Port. Peace in the streets. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.